you will love pickleball. If you've ever hit a ping pong ball, a tennis ball, a badminton, if you ever hit a baseball bat, uh, you know, like any of those kinds of things, that's hand-eye coordination. And if you can do that, then you can figure this out and have fun. Just do it with other people at the same level as you. Hi, I'm Crystal Brown, your host. After losing 35 pounds playing pickleball, Brad Cousineau, former NFL player and current pickleball ambassador, brought the game to the Super Bowl. He shares his inspiring story of growing up in an abusive and dysfunctional family and making it all the way to the NFL. He's become a pickleball enthusiast, spreading the word about the sport and making countless friends and connections along the way. Listen in to hear his amazing story. Welcome to Simply Pickleball, the podcast where we discuss all things pickleball, the fastest growing sport in America and around the world. We're interviewing the founders, industry leaders, athletes, lovers of the sport that are driving the spectacular growth. If you love pickleball as much as we do, listen in. Okay, Brad Cousineau, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today about pickleball. But before we get to pickleball, I really, you have such a fascinating story, kind of a rags to riches story. And also uh, your story with pickleball is super fascinating. So let's just start with when you were young and what sports meant to you and and what thread it's been in your life. Okay, well, um, I came from a really dysfunctional home. And uh, in in that whole process, uh, my parents had to get married because of me. When I went and uh, when they were 15 and 16 years old, I never had a lot of uh, uh, love given to me, except when I did well in sports. When I was the hero of the little league game or the star of the football uh, 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 pop Warner league or whatever, my parents just seemed nicer to me that day. I didn't understand why at the time. Now I do. All the parents, you know, when you're the one that's made the your son's the one that's made the, the home run, the attaboys are going on, pats on the back. That's all occurring. It was happening on the sideline. I didn't wear it, but they were just nicer to me on those days. And so that sort of fed me to keep wanting to be the star, you know, even though I was the little guy, I wasn't supposed to make it. And uh, so, so that became a very important part of my earlier life. And uh, then it, it occurred when I was in high school, the same thing, you know, if I was the star, so I was a, uh, all city, all league, all district, and football and baseball and hockey, and I and I was a, a very good wrestler, and um, so that became uh, sort of part of my uh, personality, if you would. Uh, that's where I got my ego stroking. I didn't get it from my parents telling me that they loved me just because I was Brad. Uh, it was because I was the star of their of the baseball team, or whatever the case might be. So, how did you sort of figure out that it was a path to college, or you know, th- you know, that you were going to take what you were doing in high school and get to college through sports? It didn't happen that way. Uh, I, I basically, my dad worked in a glass factory. My mom was a rageaholic. My dad was an alcoholic, and as a result of that, I just wanted to break out of that uh, that prison that I was in. And I felt that college would be the way to do it. We had no money, zero money. My parents never even had a, a savings account. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe football and I could be a uh, get a scholarship. Well, I got turned down from about uh, 25 different colleges. They said I was too short, too slow, too small. Ohio State, Michigan, uh, the Mid-American Schools, University of Toledo, Bowling Green, even Ashland College, and you know, some of those really small ones. I feeling sorry for myself. I basically said, I got to do something. And so in this winter of my senior year, I sat down and hand wrote 25 letters 
to all the coaches that were within a 200-mile radius of, of Toledo, Ohio, begging for a scholarship. There was no scholarships. I followed up with phone calls to all the coaches, and, and all I got most of the time was a secretary saying, can I take a message? One coach responded back, uh, a Coach Bob Rublin from Miami University, Miami of Ohio, and he said, Brad, that's a pretty daring thing you did to write back to us and ask for a scholarship, even though we've already turned you down. And they said, but we saw your video, your film, and we liked what we saw. But And I said, well, is there any scholarships? And they go, no scholarships, but we have an alumni that works in the Toledo area that thinks he can get you a decent paying job. And at that point in time, I had no other alternatives. I said, I'll do whatever, coach. And, and that summer, I worked cleaning out sewers, storm sewers, underneath the highway of Toledo, Ohio, I-75, digging out all the crap out of the sewer systems. Got paid $4.50 an hour, and that's how I paid for my first quarter of school at Miami University. I was a non-scholarship walk-on, uh, like a Rudy. I was a Rudy. Uh, uh, and uh, except uh, I ended up doing some better things than what Rudy did. <laughs> right. That that movie, if, if hopefully people have seen it, that's a, really an inspiring story. So you so you walked on, and um, did you start doing well? Were you playing well? Did you feel I was like- on the scout team, and, uh, you know, at that level, that was right before uh, freshmen were ineligible to play on the varsity. So that was my the last year. And so the scout team was the team that they practiced against, and they were bigger, stronger, faster than all of us. We were small little, you know, uh, uh, freshmen, walk, uh, freshmen. But one day, one of the key people on the freshman team went AWOL. He had a bad practice. He went back to the locker room, packed up all of his bags, and gave uh, and drove four hours home. Didn't tell the coaches. Didn't tell anybody. Gave up a full scholarship. Now, I'm sitting there figuring out how I'm going to pay for my second quarter of school. So that afternoon at practice, they called for the scout team, and he was the stud of the scout team. And they go, where's where's Tomsey at? And I, 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 uh, everybody said, Coach, he quit. And they didn't know it. And so I said, they said, they need, we need a middle guard in here right now. So I jumped in there. Now, a middle guard is usually 230, 240. I was 192. I was 5'11", way, way too small. The coaches said, Kuzno, get out of there. You're going to get killed. I said, I can do it, coach. And then they basically said in so many words, well, we're going to no mercy given. And, and I responded back, and none, and none taken either. You know. And so, so what, what ended up happening was I, on the first play, I made the tackle. On the second play, they ran another play. I mean, I made that tackle. Now all the varsity guys are mad at me because I was showing them up in front of the coaches, and they're the starting team, and I'm a a nobody. Through the long and short of it is, by the end of practice, I had made so many tackles that they made the varsity offensive line run extra sprints after practice. Now you can imagine how well-liked I was, you know, in, in the locker room. That was the beginning, and from there it was a war. Every day I was like that. And, but the long and short of it is by the time summer ball was over, they gave me a partial scholarship. During this uh, winter, uh, I, I was given a full ride because they saw that I was doing Even though I was very small, wasn't supposed to be able to do it, I just had this huge heart. I had to get a scholarship. If I didn't get a scholarship, I was going to be back home with my parents 
uh, living in Point Place, Ohio. Amazing. I mean, that kind of ambition and drive that you that you have is pretty amazing. And then to take it to the NFL, right? Like you, you could have stopped there. You could have decided, I'm going to play college ball and you know, go on and get a job, but you didn't. My college career was is that it just so happened that when I was there, we had the longest winning streak in the country. We beat teams like Florida, Georgia, Purdue, South Carolina, and I was, quote, the stud of the defense. Again, 5'11", 195 pounds. I just would not be denied. I was very quick, and I was mean as a snake, even though I was much sm- really small, because that's how I had to survive. I needed to, you know, to be able to do that. So I, I became an All-American. I was the most valuable player of the league for two years in a row, the best defensive player in, in the Mid-American Conference. They draft 442 football players, two basketball players. They drafted two guys that never played one down of college football, and I didn't get drafted because they said I was too small, too short, too slow, et cetera, like that. Paul Brown is a living legend. He started the Cleveland Browns and then also the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the head coach. And he was also an alumni from Miami. So he'd been following my career, and he's in Cincinnati. Oxford is about 45 minutes from Cincinnati. And so he was following it and called me up, and he says, Brad, you should have been drafted. We'd like to know if you'd like to try out for us as a free agent. Free agent wasn't a good deal back then, not compared to what it is today. (laughs) And he says, all I'll promise you is, is that I'll give you a fair shot. And that's all I could ask for it. And that's all I ever wanted was a fair shot. Uh, Long and short of it is I ended up making the team. I was the only free agent that year that made it in the NFL. And I was the specialist on special teams and I was a backup linebacker. But I led the, the NFL in tackles, block kicks, fumble recoveries, anything along that as this little, this little guy. Never made a lot of money, but I made three times more than my dad ever made in a year in six months. So my dad made, the most he ever made in the year was $11,000. My rookie year, including a, a playoff money and everything else, was about 32000 And so I was having fun. I loved it. I was a big man on campus in Miami, and now I was a stud. And, and kind of, so, yeah, it, it, it was good. Stuff was good. Well, it's interesting that, that parallel with some of the early pickleball pros now that they're, you know, only earning maybe $30,000 a year in current times and they can't, they, you know, they have to do other things. So, you know, early NFL players as well. That's really interesting. So, you know, I want to, your story is so fantastic. um, And you wrote a book about it, which I want you to share with the audience. What inspired you to write that book? And maybe you can show us the book. We'll definitely have it in the show notes too. This is a book, Unwanted, Unworthy, Unshackled. Unwanted by my parents, unworthy as they were beating me and I got beat practically every day. Um, I was told I was no good. I was a bum. I'd never amount to anything. And then unshackled is when I stopped believing the lies, the lies that was being, you know, uh, rained down on me from my parents and my parents, you know, my, I, I, my parents are, have both since passed. They just came from a dysfunctional family. They were just responding out of the way that they were raised. They didn't know any better. So I don't hold any animosity towards them. Um, I wish it hadn't happened that way, but it is what it is. Everybody loves an underdog story. And I have an underdog story. And so I got started to be asked to speak to different groups. So sometimes there are small groups, the most 
that I'd ever spoken to was in front of 4,500 people at a time. A lot of times there would be three, four, 500 people, or it could be sometimes as little as 10 people. You know, I just speak to a football team or something like that. My story is compelling and it's true. And as a result of that, one, I, I, I would talk one place and, and the coaches would rave about it and they talked to their friends and then more people wanted me to come and speak. And so I've done, I've done that quite a bit. And so part of my story is, the way that I was raised and brought up and that you don't have to believe the things that you're being told. You are better than that. You can do whatever you want. You can do much more than what you think that you can if you don't quit and you believe that you can do it. Right. And one of the things we talked about uh, when we first met was about um, generations trying to do better than the you know, we, we only evolve so much. And so, you know, you sharing this in your book hopefully will inspire someone out there, maybe many people out there that are thinking about um, what they can do to change their situation or what determination will do to just keep you going. Fast forward a little bit, got the opportunity from the NFL alumni or you're involved with the NFL alumni and they somehow knew you were into pickleball. Can you explain that relationship between NFL and pickleball? A number of years ago, I was the president for the NFL alumni the Cincinnati chapter, you know, uh, like that. And so I was talking to one of the big wigs at the NFL alumni, and I, I was just telling him about I had lost 35 pounds just playing pickleball. I'd only been playing pickleball maybe about 10, 12 months. I didn't really know what pickleball was. Somebody said, you know, what pickleball. I said, what's it? I played racquetball. So I didn't really know about what pickleball was all about. And I started uh, looking at people doing it, and I saw uh, this looks fun. Let me go there and I'll try it. And I had this lady that was about 70 years old show me how to play the game in the first time, you know. And I'm sitting there going, ah, I don't understand all this, but it's sort of fun. And so I played again and then again and then again. And then uh, uh, competitive as I am, uh, it was a good resource that way. But I started noticing that as I was playing, I was playing two, two and a half hours a day. COVID was going on at the time, so we had a private court in my uh, uh, condo association that I belong with, so we started utilizing that, and I started losing all this weight. Wasn't trying to lose weight. I wasn't sitting there you know, thinking, okay, I got to, I was just losing it, and then I found out that pickleball is a great lifetime sport, and when I say lifetime sport, I mean, I was playing against people that were 75 and 80. And I was playing with people that were 25 and 30 and I was winning against both of them and I was getting beat by both of them, you know, just depending on who I was playing. And, and that was very intriguing to me, you know, and as you know, I'm 70 years old and I want to be as active as I possibly can. And I play in tournaments and I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm about a four old player, um, you know, and having fun, but also recognizing all the interaction. It's very, uh, it's a great social sport. And as we get older, most people start losing their friends either because they've moved out, they've been closer to the, the grandkids, uh, you know, death, whatever. And that's one of the problems as people get older, they become isolated. Pickleball stops all that. If you get involved with pickleball, you are going to have friends. And, and a case in point, about eight, nine months ago, I had my uh, left hip replaced. 
And in getting that hip replaced, I had all kinds of people that I knew for only a couple of months through pickleball calling me up and saying, Brad, how are you doing? Is there anything we can do to help? It was unheard of. I didn't have my foot, my football uh, playing friends didn't call me. It was the pickleball community that reached out as a social. I mean, I, I was shocked by it. Yes. Pickleballers are the best. They're just the best. <laughs> but so when you say lifetime sport, um, what, what would that mean to you? And, you know, like you said, there's people that are playing in their twenties, they're youth playing, but even when you said the NFL was interested in it from a, you know, as a lifetime sport, how would you define that? What, what, what does that mean? What ended up happening was, is I was telling them what I thought about it being a lifetime sport. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from the president from the NFL alumni and basically telling me, say, Brad, we'd like for you to introduce pickleball to our former players at the at the Super Bowl this year. We put together a program and like that, and not just for the football players, but also for the fan base. Most of the time when you're a, a former NFL player, you are a local hero in your hometown. People that know you. So you get invited to all the golf outings and all of the charitable events. And so you ride in a, a you know, cart, you hit some balls, you drink some beer, you have some cigars, and then you have big meals. And then they wonder why they gained 40 pounds, you know, because they've stopped doing the exercise part. And that was what I saw real quick was this is something that I can do. Have fun. See, I've never, ever yet played pickleball where I said, gosh, darn it, I got to go out and play pickleball today. Now, I did. I do that when I got to go out and run five miles. I do that when I've got to do something, you know, like that. It's like, oh, I'm going to go on a fast, you know, for the week or whatever. Okay. That's not fun. Pickleball's fun. And it's also competitive. And it's also got a strategy to it. There's all kinds of things that's interplaying there, which makes us human beings better. I don't know how other people can do it, but I will just tell you is, I know that I'm a better person physically as a result of pickleball. Not because I'm trying to be a, a pro, just by playing and interfacing with people. Maybe you will be a pro. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, the, I'll be. My goal right now is I want to be in the uh, Senior Olympics. That's amazing. You know, uh, you know and so uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity because of its age base, things like that. I will, but doesn't matter. I'm still going to have fun. Yeah. I'm still going to go out there and do it. So I think you're right. I think people. It, it's the opposite of feeling like they don't want to be at the. You know, they have to get their exercise in for the day. It's the other way around. It's usually like, oh my god, I have to stop playing, and you know, I got to get home. I have to get ready for dinner. I, my, you know, my spouse is waiting for me, so I completely agree that uh at least that happens for us do you, do you want me to show you this yes i want to see that so wow that's so awesome this was this is one of the things that i was given when i went uh to the super bowl uh this last year and we were putting on clinics and things like that and somebody had this made up the nfl alumni and then the legends of basketball so I have a friend that's a former NBA player, and his name's Ronnie Gradison, and myself, we were the ones that went to Phoenix to show people about pickleball. And so we had the fan base, and like this, we had NFL players against NBA players. 
a lot of former players in both the NFL and NBA are picking up pickleball. Yes, and and some of them are even buying teams and investing in teams, <laughs> right? So at the at the Super Bowl, did they have courts set up, and could anyone play on them? We we had um, a, a university or Arizona State University. We were able to use some of their facilities. They were part of the the host uh, uh, for the 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 event. So we were inside. We really couldn't get anything outside because to have that big of a space, um, you know, like that. So we went inside into a gym and we had uh, five, six courts that was set up. We taped it all off like that. And then we did clinics. We did clinics for the, for kids, for high schoolers, for uh, adults. Um, we, we did a number of different things as a way to be able to give back to the community, but to get a paddle in people's hand and have them have fun and learn. And it was unbelievable. If people had didn't know nothing about pickleball, by the time the hour, hour and a half, two hours was over, they were saying, I want to do this again. They, were, they had a blast. It was fun. And all you got to do is get it over the net a few times. You think you're a superstar. I know it's so true. People really, and, and then they just, their desire to learn the strategy or, you know, pointers and tips. So do you think that the NFL will continue to make this kind of a priority to, to for their alumni? And I, I, I think they would like to, um, our, our biggest uh, situation that we've got to do is that, you know, if you deal, if you're dealing with the NFL and the NFL alumni, they're very uh, uh, careful of their brand and things like that. And part of the issue that we found was that they wanted to sort of tell us no way too much on things that we said, we got we should do this. We should, they didn't want the exposure. They didn't want somebody tripping and falling. And because it was an NFL. So we have NFL alumni wellness program, which is another entity, but it's the wellness program is the umbrella. When I still the NFL alumni was wellness. So, Yes, we will, Ronnie, myself, and some others are going to be involved in doing things at that kind of level. We're, we're talking about doing a series of events around the country, utilizing pickleball, former professional athletes with fans, and it being able that they could be able to play with a, a former player, have little mini tournaments, things like that, with the net funds going to charities in the local community. Do you think, you know, for you, football helped you get a, a college education and it, it helped get you out of a situation that you really desperately wanted to leave? Do you see that for pickleball also? You know, there's a lot of rising stars right now. There's a lot of um, interest in the sport. And just recently, major league and minor league. Do you think that it'll be a collegiate sport soon? Well, I th- there's a number of colleges that it is a collegiate sport. You know, um, I, I believe that's going to be in the Olympics. Even though it's been around, what do they say uh, in Seattle? It started in Seattle. Uh, how many years, years ago? ago I, I think they say forty, 40 years, years ago, like that. But it's just been the last couple of years that it's just started to explode. And now people are putting courts in their backyards instead of pools. Um, I, and I've got a number of friends that have done that. And because of TV exposure, and as more money gets into it, more and more people think about it. The best female player in the world is what, 18 or 19 years She's old? She's 16 um, years old. 16 years old. I mean, <laughs> I and, and, the, and the best guy is what, 21, 22, you know, uh, uh, John's. Um, so it's definitely going to grow because one, the fans that play it much bigger than, than tennis. When you think about tennis, you got to be good to, to have fun in tennis. Otherwise you're chasing the ball all the time. You know, whereas here you can be good right away. I'm going to say good. It's all relative. I mean, everybody starts at the beginning. 
So at the beginning, everybody starts like that. A good player like me isn't going to have fun playing with a beginner at the same time as I can play with a beginner and work on certain shots of mine while I'm playing with them. They don't even know that all I'm doing is practicing right now. Right. You're practicing and it can be your fun, drop shot. With them. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> You're practicing your drop shot. I, I totally agree. I, I do think it will be an Olympic sport. Um, and, and I'm just interested in, you know, I think it's one of the only sports that you can play um, where it, any demographic, can play against each other, right? You, men versus women, you have different age ranges. Um, and it's really about your skill rather than your, just your, your raw strength. I mean, yeah, I, I would just tell you that from my perspective is that's one of the beautiful things about it. You can have mixed doubles and have a great time, fun, competitive things, you know, like that. And you can have the men's and you can have the women's. It, I, it's a great sport that way. And there's many women that can clean my clock <laughs> because they're better. Because yeah. right now they're better. You know, they're four five, they're a five zero. You know, they they're smart players. Like that, that doesn't like that. That just encourages me to say, I just need to practice more. I just need to do you know things like that. Yeah, I I was at the courts not long ago, and this fourteen year old uh, scrawny little kid came up, and he just toasted us and we really felt you know humbled when we left the court that day his dad was there i think he was pretty proud of him actually uh but i do think that um you know, I was a college athlete and it definitely helped me get into school and helped me stay motivated. I think having more sports that are available to more, more players is great. And I think this is a very, you know, neutral common denominator, right? You don't have to be super wealthy to have access to a pickleball court or a paddle. Whereas, you know, with swimming, which is what I did, you need a pool and you need to know how to swim. Um, and football is, it takes a certain kind of Maybe not in all cases, but it takes like strength and size and grit that not, you know. Well, the, the thing about football is, and I know this because I've, I've taught all my kids in Little League football all the way up. Like that. Um, you got to enjoy the contact. If you're going to play football, you got, and there's some people that just don't enjoy the contact. You could have all the greatest equipment, you know, like this, but you still got to put your head in there and you're going to, like that. and that's okay. There's lots of times I've started coaching kids that they were, they were big kids, but they've always been told because they're so big, they have to ratchet it down. And it sometimes took, you know, two, three weeks before it clicked in their head. It's okay to hit somebody, you know, because, because they've always been told, no, you're too big. You can't do that. So you gotta have, you gotta like that aspect of the game. Otherwise you're, you're, you're like that, but that's okay. But there's, but the, what's so neat about football, uh, like that, is that different sized people can play different positions. You know, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, offensive line. You don't have to sit there and be everything. You, you can specialize in that. And that's, that's got the benefits of that. Pickleball, I think, is the same way in the sense that, yeah, because of the way they got their, their grading system, 3-0, age brackets, at the bigger tournaments, it's sort of, you know, you can still have fun. And I just played in a major, uh, and that was in Cincinnati, a major uh, PPL. I think it's PPL or PPA, I forget, last week or two weeks ago. And I was playing in the 60-plus oh, bracket at the, at the 4-0 level. 
Okay. All right. There were still good players there, you know, and like I wouldn't have been able to compete against a 25 year old at the 4 0 level because they can get to shots that I know I couldn't get to. It's true. And, and exactly like recreationally, it might be fun to play against someone, but when you're talking about at the tournament level, I think it is good that they have ages just because there is a just natural young, younger players can move around in a way that we might not want to. <laughs> I tell people this, I says, you know, um, I know that my spirit is young, my body, not so much. <laughs> so, we got to move that body around. So it's, if you could sort of paint a picture of what pickleball would look like for, you know, in the next few years. And, you know, if you could, if you, if you had free reign to bring it to alumni of, of football or other sports, you know, what, what are the things that you hope happen? And while you're thinking about that, it's just, it's just to say that it's really interesting how many, like I said, professional athletes have invested in teams. Clearly they see it growing, but you know, where do you hope the sport goes? And I I think what's going to end up that will end up happening is, and and I'm seeing it happen right now is that uh, any former athlete doesn't have to be a pro athlete. It could be a former college player. It could be a former uh, high school player. There's something about being on a team and being involved that's part of your DNA that you like, that, that feels good. And so some people try to do it with golf. Well, the problem with golf is, is that it, it's not the same, it, uh, it's not the same kind of a, a, a sport as compared to a team sport or something like that. And I love a team sport. Team sport being the fact is, is that everybody's got to be on the same page. You're being able to do that. Well, pickleball, if you're a good doubles team, that's a team. And there's a strategy to be able to do it and do it properly. And I love that because every time you play somebody, it's a different strategy based upon who you're playing. You know, in, in, in the mixed doubles, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, well, I'm going to go to the, I'll go to the female because that's, Typically, what ends up happening, you know, like that. However, the female is, could be very much the better player, right? right. And you know, it just just is strategy wise and things like that. People just don't recognize that. Yeah, you know, we um, the the new MLP format where they have two men, two women, and that's the team. I but love that. I love, I that. love yeah. that. And they have the the um, dream breaker too. So. Uh, for those that are listening, what I think is interesting about what you're saying is really they are a team, right? So the the DC pickleball team is a team and, and you're competing and they're really rooting for each other, even though individually the, the men are playing against the men, the women, women, the mixed doubles. But it's but a, team. It's a team. It all comes to a team yeah. score and the fans love that. Yeah, I do. I they love to be able to behind, behind that. It, see, I believe that that will continue to grow. The sport will continue to grow. I think mentally, um, uh, you know, as, as socially, all those positive things are going to go. The big thing that a lot of people just need to understand, because I talked to some doctors and they go, well, we like pickleball because we get a lot of, a lot of patients. And the reality of it is they probably do because people are just picking it up with no uh, concept of the fact is it looks so simple that it's easy to sprain an ankle. It's easy, easy to fall down if you don't know what you're doing. And, and so it's like anything else. You need to have some abilities to be able to, one, uh, go backwards, you know, and or, or let it go and not try to go after right, it. Right, right. And, and, yeah, and the right equipment and the right preparation for the for the sport. But... I mean, if anything, because we're increasing the number of players, maybe, maybe percentage wise, it's the same as if they were playing something else. I don't know. Would you think that, that it will fade out? Like, 
you know, racquetball has become less popular or do you think it just is going to explode, um, and, you know, globally and nationally? Racquetball was never as big as pickleball is right now. Neither was tennis. I mean, when I say big in the sense that you've got rank and file people going out and you can go to any area where they've taken tennis courts that have been sitting empty, they convert them to pickleball courts, and all of a sudden now you've got 10, 15, 20 people ready to play, whereas those courts were just sitting there alone. Pickleball's very inexpensive to get into. I mean, you could literally work, play with a $20 paddle. You know, you, you got, you know, you don't need fancy clothes. You don't need that. Some people have all those things, but you don't need it. And more and more courts are being built. And that was like, and the other aspect about the game is the sense that it's very social. So people are very open to new people coming in and participating in their groups because that's the nature of open pickleball. You know, you, you play a game and, and, and that's going to continue. I think so. And, you know, I, I like to just underline that piece around social and what you mean with, the, with that, that it's, there's a lot of connection that happens um, and people are so disconnected, especially after COVID, it was so much more obvious how disconnected everybody was. And then pickleball is the complete opposite, right? You, you make friends, you connect, you, you know, even the rituals of touching paddles and introducing yourself, um, you know, as I, I'm just, I think you're right to point out that. And then also the, what that means for longevity when you're happy, when you feel connected, when you feel seen. Well, this has been awesome. Your story is really inspiring. I know we didn't spend too much time on your story because hopefully everyone will go out and get your book and read your book. Uh, but you know, I don't want to gloss over the fact that, you know, growing up in the conditions that you did and coming to where you are today and then still wanting to just promote sports and what it did for you is really admirable. Um, I know you mentioned uh, that you've been married, I think, 45 years, you said? 46 years. 46 I've years. Got, got, got uh, four great adult kids and 11 grandbabies. Amazing. Uh, grandkids. Um, we broke the we broke the generational chain of the uh, alcohol and the uh, f- family abuse. And I say this with all uh, uh, humility: my kids have never heard me swear. I used to cuss and curse and swear all the time. And what ended up happening was, is I was playing with the Chicago Bears, and I had a chip on my shoulder. I got traded from the Cincinnati Bengals to the Chicago Bears, and I wanted to play middle linebacker. And the coach said, Brad, this is the home of Dick Buckus. Dick Buckus is a living legend. Dick Buckus was 245 pounds. He was six foot three. He ate glass. That's who we want to be our middle linebacker. And that's not you. And then it'll never be you. You're 5'11. You're maybe luckily now at 205. And uh, in my arrogance and immaturity, I went to the coach as I was leaving, I said, coach, either play me or trade me. And the next day they waved me. And my, and when that happened, my whole world came crumbling down because I didn't have a great self-esteem coming from my home upbringing. My self-esteem was based upon who I was as a football player. And when I was in college and in pros, I, I was pretty good and I had a pretty good self-esteem. Soon as literally within minutes of finding out that I was released, my mom's voice comes to my head. You're no good. You're a bum. You'll never amount to anything. And that consumed me. 
and the fact so then I started reading all kinds of books trying to figure out what's the matter with me because the reality of it is most football players the average uh, time in the NFL is a little less than three years there's some that play a lot longer but most people because every year they got a, a, a draft and I just knew and so it was through a whole series of circumstances, which is in the book, part of uh, like this, is that I started recognizing, wait a second, I've been lied to. I'm not a bum. I'm, I'm, I, I've got a good heart. I don't want to see people hurt. And that became a, a catalyst to me where I had life-changing things happen and that I became a much better human being. And, uh, you know, through, through all that, that opened up doors and with my speaking, uh, and I do a lot of charity work. Uh, why? Because I believe that that's one of the reasons I can tell my story and other people can benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's so neat about it. I don't, it's, it's not up to me. And with a book, all they have to do if they, if they read it. And I will tell you, this book, uh, you'll, I can't say when, but I've had two different groups approach me about turning it into a movie. Um, it's got all the characteristics to be a great inspirational movie. And well, I think it will be. Well, because you have all the characteristics to be very uh, inspiring. And I think, I mean, that's part of why I got into podcasting because I think stories really can be inspiring. And I also think that they need to be shared. And that is how people connect on story often, storytelling. And when you have a, a story like yours, um, overcoming something really major. I actually think what you just said is probably was a very pivotal moment. Um, which is, you know, where, where, when you really get down to the bottom and you have to look inward and say like, okay, how do I want to live my life? What are the things that are really important to me? What are the truths? What are the untruths that I've been told? Uh, I think that's when real change happens. And so I do, I am glad you're telling that story. I'm also glad you're telling the story of pickleball and how it's, how you've lost weight, how you've gained friends, how it's sort of brought a new inspiration to you. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably sitting there hearing of pickleball and thinking, I don't know, it's intimidating. Maybe I need to be an NFL former player to play. Um, Not at all. (laughs) In fact, in fact, you you there's a lot of guys that can't go out there and play because they've had so many operations that they've got a lot of those guys. I never was, I never missed a game when I played in college or pro never had surgery. My only surgeries was five years ago. I had my right hip replaced and a couple of months ago I had my left hip replaced. Those are my only operations and they're not football related. They're just about life. And I can just encourage everyone just to say, you will love pickleball. If you've ever hit a ping pong ball, a tennis ball, a badminton uh, birdie, if you ever hit a baseball bat, uh, you know, like any of those kinds of things, that's hand-eye coordination. And if you can do that, then you can figure this out and have fun. Just do it with other people at the same level as you. Find someone that will show you, teach you, and then, one, you will love it. And, and you will benefit health-wise. Well, maybe you, maybe your next job is going to be spokesperson for the Olympic Committee um, for pickleball, or maybe it's. Uh, but I agree, um, and I just you know again really appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing your story. And um, let's connect again when you are getting to the Olympics, uh, the Senior Olympics. <laughs> Let, let's. You can, you can find you can find this on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, my, under my name. Cousineau and or under unwanted. 
unworthy, unshackled. Great. Well, I'm so glad you are unshackled and that you ch- you shared your story. And hopefully we'll get to play someday because I've heard those awesome courts in Cincinnati. So if you're ever in San Francisco, otherwise I'll, I'll come I'll come to Ohio. <laughs> uh, it, w- it would be great. It would be wonderful. Awesome. We'll be partners. <laughs> I don't know. You sound like you might be better, but I, I'm willing. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try. <laughs> it's all relative. Better is always relative. <laughs> Thanks. And thank you to your audience. I, I hope you enjoyed it and have me back. We will. And we'll put all of the links in the show notes. I hope everyone will subscribe to this podcast so that they can hear more episodes and more amazing stories from pickleball players. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Simply Pickleball. We'll be back very soon with great interviews, discussions, and more all about pickleball. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or any of your favorite podcasting outlets. Until next time, happy dinking.